Now it's time for a breakdown. You're listening to Gap to Gap, brought to you by The Breakdown. Three, two. Pebbles drill deep to left field. Going back choice. Looking up. See ya. 3,000. History with an exclamation point. Back to full. Red Sox fans have longed to hear it. The Boston Red Sox are world champions. Swing and a drive to deep right, away back, goal! Jason Giambi has done it! Episode number 53, I am Tommy, he is 7, and boy oh boy, do we have a fun show for you today. You today. 7, how are you? I'm awesome. What? A, that was an electric factory of an interview, so I'm very happy with with that and you'll have something to tune into now yeah so we have an inner a dual interview our first ever uh double guest at the same damn time it's alex hins and mitch harachik mitch is a uh left-handed reliever in the minnesota twins organization alex is his agent chiming in on the uh, just shitty developments just basically a nice, it's not like an inside inside look, but I think it was refreshing to hear from someone who's involved, two, two people who are involved in different ways. Obviously, Mitch in the minor leagues, not in the MLB Players Union, but Alex obviously understands what's happening and just how much baseball is fucking this up. Yeah. Uh, I mean, and it was cool to get you behind the curtains view. They were just just so much fun to talk to. It was great because it was nice to, you know, get some news that because I'm sick of reading Bitmoji John Heyman's Twitter with stupid tweets. So it's good to actually talk to someone about it. Um, I'm going to keep throwing shade at John Heyman. Your war with John Heyman is so funny to me, and I cannot wait until we eventually get him on and you can just go off on him. I Like, he – that response he gave me was so bad. Like, please, yeah. like, just – Lock yourself off Twitter for a couple days, John. Ever. Forever, really. I mean, I'd like it to be forever, but we're getting off topic. Hell of an interview. Listen now. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah, we'll just go right to it. <laughs> Here it is, our interview with Alex and Mitch. All right, we welcome on two very special guests. Joining Gap to Gap is Minnesota Twins prospect Mitch Horacek and his agent Alex Hins. Gentlemen, how are you guys? How's quarantine treating you? What's going on? Well, we're doing the best we can. I mean, at least I am as a, as a player. Um, it's been quite a struggle trying to stay in shape and, you know, get lifting in and throwing in. But I think all things considered, I've done a good enough job. Um, yeah, how's it going for you, Alex? Things are good for me. I'm trying to get ready for a draft that's super messed up uh-huh. right now. Yeah, I was going to say, I, I want to dig into that uh, on the back end of things. But, but the reason we're having you guys on is, is, Mitch, you know, you let the Twitter fingers fly, and I love that. Um, you tweeted about how the Twins are paying their, their employees through June, which is fantastic. But you as a minor leaguer only being paid 13%, and now we don't even know what's going to happen with that as many minor league teams 
are, uh, you know, deciding through June, you know, we're not going to give minor leaguers that stipend. How are you dealing with this mentally right now? You know, I'm, I'm doing all right. I mean, it's, it's been kind of frustrating. Um, you know, like I said, in my tweet, I'm staying completely ready to play baseball under definitely suboptimal circumstances. I mean, gyms are still closed for the most part. Um, you know, I, I don't have a throwing partner that's reliable, especially if I adhere to social distancing. So it, I, it's taking a lot of extra effort to stay in shape for baseball. And that's in light of the fact that I don't know if I'm going to even be playing baseball this year. Um, yeah. You know, we're not getting very much information as to whether or not we're going to be invited back, when we're going to be invited back, um, you know, if we're going to be invited back. So there's a lot of uncertainty, um, and that's all, you know, goes, it goes along with the fact that I'm still expected to be ready to go to get major league hitters out whenever, you know, the powers that be decide that baseball can, can happen again. So it's, it's a little frustrating, but I, I think I'm doing all right. Definitely. And Alex, on the flip side of that, um, with so much up in the air and you being the, the director of baseball for Baseball Players Agency, how is everything on your end right now, considering you're, you are an MLBPA agent, you, you do have clients around the league. How, how are things on your end right now? Uh, I mean, truthfully, it's, it's incredibly frustrating. And part of that is because of the media leaks that they keep coming out more often than not, our players are finding out from Twitter what's just happened before we are. Um, mm. And so that has made it incredibly, usually I know something has just happened. Cause all of a sudden I'll get like 20 text messages in like a two minute window. And uh, I'm like, oh, I better hop on Twitter and find out what just happened because you know, I think the union desires to communicate, but um, I think the leaks are just happening so fast that like they can't even get something out to us quick enough for us to best advise our clients. And so I think, you know, it, it's frustrating. And, and all these young young men, you want to help, um, and you, you're supposed to be here helping them guide their career and navigate the situation. And you know, we, just like every other industry in the world, are really figuring this thing out on the fly. Sure. I got a question just kind of expanding off of that. And I guess it could be for both of you guys. Um, I, and I phrase this to Tommy, I believe it was our last episode. This seems the way the media is portraying it with all the leaks to your point, Alex, how it's tough right now to, to get a grasp on information that's reliable. Um, this seems like a, a classic lose, lose scenario as Michael Scott would put it in the office. Do you see any room uh, or, or wiggle room there to make this, you know, less of a burden on both sides. Mitch, you want me to take that? Yeah, you can take that one. Yeah, so like Mitch and I talk a lot, and Mitch, Mitch leans one way. I think that there's too much money to lose <laughs> for there to not be a season, and that's more pointing at the big league side of things. Right. Um, the players have too much to lose, and the ownership has too much to lose. Um, on the flip side of that, the minor leaguers, I, I don't, I personally don't see how there will be a minor league season. I think the logistics of it with some States being open and some States not, and like some guys are going to be able, would be able to roll out their double a team in their state and other teams couldn't. Like, I, I think the logistical side of it is just going to be a nightmare. And so they're going to cancel the minor league season. I, now I think you guys hinted at it. Like, 
I mean, right now we have one team, the Athletics, saying like, hey, we're done paying you guys at the end of this week. Um, I think more fortunately we've had a few others this week that are are committing to pay their guys longer. Um, just off the top of my head, I, I think we saw the White Sox and the Rangers and a few others pop up today and say, hey, like we've got at least another month on this thing. I mean, Miami, who – Yeah, I was going to mention Miami. Miami. Right, according to the only team that lost money last year, and like we don't know if that's true or not, but they committed to paying through August, like, which is essentially the minor league season as it is, right? I mean, going through the end of August. That's that's the whole point of it. Now, the problem is, for some guys, there are guys that are actually making more money on the stipend than they would be, like a rookie ball guy, a guy Mm -hmm. in the Appy League, low A guys. Like they're actually making more money on the stipend than they make on their salary. Um, But then your AAA guys and your guys like like Mitch that are on their second contract now. So he's not making minor league minimum anymore. Mm-hmm. You know, he's losing a substantial amount of money. And those guys are the guys that are really getting through. It's like, if you're a big leaguer, you're probably going to be fine. And shoot, if you're a low level minor leaguer, you're like, Oh, this is kind of cool. Like, yeah, I'm not playing <laughs> baseball, but I'm actually making a little bit more money than I was. But you have all these guys in between essentially in double A and triple A, the guys that are supposed to be your next, next big leaguers. And, and they're the ones taking it the worst. I think it's amazing when you look at it because there's, there's such a, a real world uh, connection to that too, with you know some states where unemployment is actually helping people more than their actual job would in that sense. Where you know, and I look at that and it's such a, a weird dichotomy to me. Uh, and then when you bring it into professional sports, it's even crazier. And then and, you know, I saw and Alex, you pointed it out, and Mitch, I, I have a question for you based on the minor league season likely going to be canceled. A lot of players have come out uh, in the past few weeks, MLB players, and saying they're not comfortable playing, whether it's for health reasons or for money reasons. If that were to happen, and let's say minor leaguers get an opportunity to play, and again, this is a total hypothetical because I obviously have no clue, but if minor leaguers get a chance to play um, to kind of sh- as like more of a showcase in an 82-game season, would you be open to that, or would you need to have a financial commitment in place to make sure that you're made whole before doing anything? Yeah, I mean, well, that's that's. There's a lot of uh, parts of that question to unpack. First of all, there, in order for me to agree to play, I think that it is definitely necessary that the proper testing and like test track isolate protocols are in place, right? So one of the biggest problems the United States is facing is the the well, at least in the past few weeks, uh, it might be, be getting better now, but a lack of testing, and so. I, I, the only, like, it doesn't matter how much money they pay me. If the proper protocols aren't in place for a minor league season or a big league season for that matter, mm-hmm. I don't feel comfortable playing. I mean, I, I am generally risk averse to, to getting sick, especially this. And I, I know the numbers. I know, I know that it affects people in my age group less than it would in others. But that being said, like, I still don't really feel like subjecting myself to, uh, physical harm, you know, just to play baseball. And especially, you know, I, I wouldn't do that for, you know, a, a prorated salary either. I, I feel as though, um, you know, being not represented by the Major League Players Union, I'm, I want to get paid my full salary or I really don't think it's a fair deal to go play. Um, you know, the Major League Players Union is, is bargaining on behalf of the big league guys. And those guys got $170 million payout uh, advance in light of the season being being postponed but minor leaguers didn't get anything so mm-hmm. if if i'm going to be expected to play baseball i am going to 
expect that whichever club I play for is going to honor the contract that I signed. And I think that's fair. Absolutely. And, and, and scrolling through your Twitter, I, I saw there was a tweet where you tagged Eric Sim, who stands up for the, the Juco guys in the minor leaguers. You know, it's like he says all the time, you almost are, are I don't want to say losing money playing in the minor leagues, but it's, it, I think there's this common place misthought where everybody thinks that, oh, you're signed to a major league organization. You must be rolling in it. These minor league guys aren't. And that's why I agree with you 100 percent that, that if if minor league guys are going to go out and play ball this year, it needs to be for the full contract. I, I couldn't agree more. with Yeah, you. absolutely. And, you know, I, I think that. I, I think that if, if things do come back, if baseball does come back, I think there will be – that minor league guys will be uh, – the guys that do play will be made whole, uh, especially considering 90% of these guys are, are making more than, you know, $400 a week anyway, like Alex said. Um, but it's just still yet to be seen what's going to happen. So I, I got to ask, with, with you being in quarantine, like you said, you're – you're uh, it's tough right now. Gyms are closed. You can't really go out and, and throw. How are you staying in shape? Oh, that's a good question. Well, I have a few baseballs, um, you know, just that I, I've accumulated over my seven and a half year career now. And so <laughs> I, I, and I also have one of those pop-up uh, nets. A lot of guys just use pull them. downs into the net. Yeah. I mean, I just, I, I, I play catch with myself. I mean, I, I set up the net and I put a, a few rocks on it so it doesn't fall over. I feel like everyone's and... playing with themselves in quarantine, Mitch, so don't feel too bad. <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah, that's exactly right. I mean, that's exactly what's happening. And so not uh, everybody's throwing baseballs, <laughs> but everybody's playing with themselves. That's exactly right. <laughs> and so it, but it, it, it sucks, man. Like I, I set up this net and I put some rocks on it so it doesn't fall over or blow over in the wind. I scoop back with, a, with you know, with a, a grocery bag full of balls, and I throw the balls to the net. And when I'm out of balls, I go pick them up, put them back in the bag, walk back, and I do that over and over again until I have you know enough throws where I can call it a day. And then, and then like Eric, you, you you mentioned Eric Sim. Well, he's he's kind of highlighted his uh, quarantine gym routine. He actually made some yeah. he made some concrete weights, and I actually did the same thing. I, I did it a little bit differently. Oh, I love that. Yeah, I did it my own way, but I, I had a bar already that was just like in my parents' garage, so I had a bar available, and I just made um, four 45-pound plates that I could use to like deadlift and do because you need you need as a baseball player you need to lift heavy like you need to have power yeah. output. You know, you can't just do body weight exercises for 10 weeks and expect to be uh able to throw 90 95 on off the mound like that's just not reasonable so mm-hmm. you know I, I just like eric sam and a lot of other baseball players actually i went to home depot i picked up you know the necessary supplies i mixed cement on my driveway in a bucket with you know rubber gloves on my hands and i poured concrete weights and that's what i've been using and so far it's not bad honestly i mean that's I, fucking electric yeah. i love that man yeah it's just grinding man i'm just grinding out here I love that. All right, one one more fun question, and then I want I want to transition to to Alex a little bit. You've played for you know let's see Aberdeen, uh, Delmarva, Fr- Frederick, Hartford, Albuquerque. Shout out the Isotopes. Mm-hmm. Uh, what's your favorite hat that you've experienced for? Oh, and the Blue Wahoos, of course. Uh, what's your favorite hat that you've had as a minor leaguer? That's a good question. I you know the 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 most previous team I played for the the Yard Goats do a really good job with their promotional hats. I mean, they, we had hats, you know, at the end of the season, I had like 15 hats in my locker uh, because, you know, every other weekend they're doing some kind of promotional jerseys. 
Um, but I do, I do like the the Harford Yargos hats, and I do like the Albuquerque Isotopes hats too. Um, specifically, their mariachi hats. Um, <laughs> oh, those are yeah. sweet. I like those a lot. Yeah, those those are cool. I, I think I don't know if it's true or not, but somebody said I, I don't know where I heard this, but um, apparently the mariachi hat is one of the most popular hats in all of minor league baseball. Like they sell that thing out hmm. in in minutes, apparently. I didn't know that. Yeah, it's a cool hat, though. Yeah. Yeah. I'm a, I'm a big hat nerd, so I just had to ask for that one. Oh, yeah, no problem. <laughs> I, I've got a lot. Actually, at one at one point last season, I was giving away some of my hats. I had so many. I, I did a, a, a giveaway on Instagram, and I sent out, like, I think five five or six of them. Because I just oh, had so sick. many. I mean, they're, if, I, if I could send them to a fan, it, they're going to get more use and enjoyment out of them than, you know, sitting in a box. At my Don't worry, Mitch. You can send the mariachi hat to me. We'll, uh, we'll throw you some flag on <laughs> All right, all right. <laughs> Neil. All right, now, Alex, I wanted to say I wanted to go back to you. Um, so, first of all, how did you get, get hooked up with Mitch, and, and, and how, like, what is the, the acquisition process like for bringing on a client? Yeah, so, like, every player in relationship is a little bit different. With, with Mitch, um, I was representing a friend of his that works out at the same gym here in Denver that uh, – that Mitch uses. Um, I had recently signed that friend of his and then he said, Hey, I think this other guy at the gym is looking for, for an agent as well, a new agent. Um, so I did my background, like research into Mitch, um, talked to, to my boss about it. Um, and, uh, you know, generally agencies like left-handed pitchers. Um, Mitch and I met, uh, spoke for a while. I don't know. I can't even remember where we met at Mitch. Um, yeah, I think it was the gym, honestly. Did, did we do a formal sit-down even? Maybe not. Um, you know, I don't remember. And uh, I, I laugh about this to this day. Like, you know, the one thing Mitch told me is like, hey, I, you know, I, I'm interested in coming on, but like, can you get me um, to a new organization? And I was like, yeah, I mean, let me see what I can do. And then, you know, really because of nothing I did, although we were working on it, Mitch got rule fived over to the Rockies. Um, and, you know, I think any agent worth, worth their salt will tell you like, we don't do anything in the minor league rule five. The teams just do what they want. And uh, it worked out great for Mitch and it made me look good at that time. And, but I think the good thing for me and Mitch is that we've had a good relationship now for several years. And so like the acquisition on some players is very simple. The relationship works for both guys. Um, and, and I think that was the case for, for Mitch and myself, you know, when you're recruiting draft guys, it's a totally different process. And, um, but on, on the minor league side, you're, you're really looking for a guy that, that matches you personality wise, that has the ability to get to the big leagues. And, you know, Mitch is, Mitch is on the doorstep knocking on the door. And, um, you know, I, I, at least I like to think Mitch and I get along pretty well. We talk, uh, it seems like almost weekly. Um, and usually we start out talking about some question he has and we ramble on for 45 minutes about other stuff. So. Uh, yeah. I echo all See, that. I, I love that. Uh, that. That seems just so cool to me. Like just the idea of, you know, just having that hand and glove fit. So like, so, so, I mean, obviously it's a professional relationship, but it's, it's also a friendship. Am I wrong in saying that? No, no, I think that's exactly like, you can't survive in this business if you don't have relationships with your clients. Like there's just too many agents out there and too many guys hunting the same thing that like, yeah, you have to do a good job on the business side, which is, is always first and foremost, but there's also a personal level to, to interacting with your clients. And, and that part can't be, forgotten and that's not whether it's whether it's me or scott boris it, you have to have that personal relationship as well because these guys are entrusting you with their career it, there's there's few careers like it in the world where 
someone is basically putting their career in your hands and being like, hey, don't screw me. Yeah, and and what I'll also what I'll say is is Alex Alex is my third agent. Um, I had an agent out of the draft who, I mean, for lack of a better term, the guy's a scumbag. I mean, he was basically he was basically trying to get you know guys. He was trying to sign baseball players out of colleges in the draft that didn't really um, you know weren't top prospects but had some type of equity where he could, you know, skim 5% off the top. And then after his guys were signed, he would just basically, you know, do the bare minimum, if, if that. And so, yeah. so I, I parted ways with that guy after, uh, I think, my second full season. And then I had another agent um, for a couple years. And that guy, he was a great dude, but he just, I, I guess – baseball baseball agency wasn't really his his cup of tea and he actually you know just kind of dissolved his agency business and it was pretty serendipitous for both I and and Alex because about that same time is when Alex came strolling into the gym and that's when we met so um and and I'll also say that um Alex has done a really good job representing me and I I couldn't ask for anything more in an agent so thanks if if any if any baseball players are listening that are looking for an agent, uh, take note. No free ads. No free ads. Number out loud. <laughs> um, so I, I got a question for you, Alex, and, and Mitch, yep. feel free to chime in because this definitely affects you as well. Um, uh, I was on Mitch's Twitter and, you know, deconstructing the letter from the A's, uh, David Forrest. And, and Mitch, I, I love how you kind of phrased it. We will not pay you anymore, but you're not fired and you can't work for any of our competitors. So basically you guys are kind of being held prisoner for a lot less than you're owed. Um, I did notice that, you know, Alex, you mentioned before we started recording, you represent a lot of players or your firm represents a lot of players internationally with the KBO, you know, seemingly, you know, the best option right now, Mitch, would you be open to playing for the KBO if it was a possibility? And Alex, would you, you know, look to get that deal done? Yeah, I mean, hell yeah, I'd play in the KBO. Honestly, I I love playing baseball, and I've been really fortunate to um, play baseball pretty much pain free. I've been I've been lucky enough to stay away from injuries, and you know, I and, and that's that's one of the things that a lot not a lot of people talk about. You know, you know, injuries kind of deteriorate the fun in the game. I mean, if you go out there and you play baseball and you're you're hurting all the time, mm-hmm. even if you're doing well enough. You know, it, you might not be motivated to play for a really long time, but I, I tell Alex this all the time. Like, I, I'm trying to play for the next 10 years at least. I mean, I'm a left-handed reliever. Um, you know, I've got I've got some miles on my on my arm, but I feel pretty good. I've never felt better, to be honest. And I'm down to play in Asia. You know, if this year, next year, in 10 years, it does not matter. I'm down to go. That's an awesome. That would be an awesome experience. So maybe playing for the LG Twins instead of the Minnesota Twins. Am I hearing that correct? Yeah, I mean, one of my uh, one of my Albuquerque teammates, uh, Roberto Ramos, is over there hitting home runs. Um, so I'd have a, I'd already have a buddy. There you go. Perfect. Area. Exactly. All right, so Alex, cut Tommy and I in for a little percentage here because I think we're going to get the deal done following this episode. Yeah, I mean, I, I wish I could. I, I would say the one thing, like Mitch is close to being the kind of guy that could go to the KBM. Um, and, and it's something Mitch and I have talked about even in last off season when he was a free agent. Mm-hmm. Um, the problem you run into is, is twofold. Number one, the, there are rules over there on how many foreign players they can have, right? Mm-hmm. Every single team over there is currently at their max number of foreign players. So 
unless the KBO wants to make a rule change and allow more foreign players, like you're not going to see that happen. Okay. Um, Just get rule five again, the Korea's version of a rule. Yeah, five. I wish I wish we could do that. <laughs> um, but you know, we're we're stuck. Uh, and and yeah. So that's the first part that makes it hard. The second part is. Um, regardless of the players' contracts being technically suspended, their rights per an agreement between the KBO and Major League Baseball and MPB and Major League Baseball and, and all the leagues um, is still owned by the Minnesota Twins. And so there would still likely either be a buyout or the Twins would have to grant permission uh, for that mm. to occur. Gotcha. Um, I'm convinced that Minnesota is a, a good organization. And you know, I'm convinced if, if I came to them and said, hey, we, I got an opportunity for Mitch, you know, would you guys entertain a buyout or, or whatever else? I, I, I think the Minnesota Twins would entertain us in that. Um, but, yeah, we're, we're basically stuck unless somebody gets hurt over there and, and they come calling for a left-handed pitcher. Uh, we're just not going to be able to, to do that. And, it, you know, I think everyone says, like, why don't all these guys just rush overseas? It, it's not that easy. Um, there's, always, there's always rules um, that, that the general public doesn't realize. You know, I, earlier when you guys were talking, like, you know, if big league players are saying they won't play, like what about minor leaguers jumping up? Um, the problem is if the big leaguers aren't playing, that means it was a union decision. Right. And for the minor leaguers to go up, they'd have to be added to, I mean, generally the 40-man roster. Well, at this point, it'd be the 50-man roster, though, right? If that's Yeah, well, it's, no. Uh, no, they're, they're, the game plan is the 40-man roster will remain the same. Gotcha. You'll technically have 10 taxi squad players with you. Um, regardless, mm. by adding players to the 40, 50, whatever-man roster you want to call it, um, they would then become union members and then they would have to be sit out because they're union members. If the union had made that decision as well. Yeah. Would it all be an option? So would that count as an option though, if they were to do that? So let's say uh, like Blake Snell's an example. He said he wouldn't play. Uh, if yeah. he was on the raise and they had an open spot for a lefty, Mitch takes that spot would that count as one of his minor league options or would that be null and void because a it's a shortened season and B it's like a taxi squad at that point. I don't think it would count as an option. I mean, an option would require him to be sent back down. Right. So just getting called up doesn't execute the option. Getting sent back down executes. the. No, but I I was saying more so in the coming year. So 2021 would that, would that reflect service time? You know? Yeah, we'd get, we'd get service time for sure. Like there's no way you're playing a big league game without accumulating service time. Um, He's definitely getting service time, and then if he never goes back down, then he would have never used an option. If he ends up getting sent back down at some point, that would be option number one. Gotcha. Yeah. It's, okay. it's three guys. It's three foreigners? Correct. Or is that Japan? Yeah. I think yeah. they're both three off the top of my head. I'm, I could be wrong. Yeah. It's true. Isn't it true, though, that um, in Japan, you you can uh, have three guys in the, the, the Japanese major leagues, but you can have a few other foreigners in the minors. Is that true? Correct, and that was supposed to happen in Korea this year. And I don't uh, know if that's happening or not. You can also do the same thing in, uh, in Taiwan. Taiwan, yeah. So have you guys been watching how ESPN's covered the KBO? Yeah, so I have a, a seven-week-old. So I am often up <laughs> between 2 a.m. and 5 a.m. my time. So I've watched a ton of KBO. How do you like it so far? How do you like how ESPN's covering it? Ah, it's fine. Like, I – to me, it's baseball. Like – you know, we have one guy playing in the KBO right now, so like any chance I get to see him um, is a net benefit to, to us. So, I mean, baseball is baseball, and, and and I'll watch just about anything. Yeah, I'm with you there. The problem that I have with it, and actually it was just on uh, ESPN2 right before we, we jumped on with you guys, 
I don't like how uh, I'm a broadcast nerd, so I don't like how they they covered the broadcast of it, where it's like the three commentators are on the side. I don't like that at all, and that's just maybe a personal thing, but yeah. Yeah, I don't care. <laughs> <laughs> now, Mitch, I, I want to circle back to I, it's the longest I probably could have gone in this in this uh, interview without mentioning it. You're a Dartmouth guy. Right. What was Ivy League baseball like? Um, that's a good question. You know, Ivy League baseball. First, it was uh, the, the guys were awesome. I mean, in all my years of baseball, I've never been closer to the guys that I played with at Dartmouth. And you know, that's probably a college thing. But I found that you know the guys that I played with there, and even other Ivy League baseball players that I played with, are just great dudes. I mean, they're. I've got nothing but good things to say about Ivy League baseball players. I really don't know why. Um, you know, it's maybe it's just that Ivy League coaches are are good at recruiting great dudes. But we had just one of the best teams, you know, best groups of guys that I've ever played with in baseball. But on the Definitely. other hand, uh, Ivy League baseball does itself a disservice in a lot of ways. Um there's a lot of rules that the Ivy League imposes on, on baseball teams, and it's actually all the sports teams at these colleges. Yep. Um, because Ivy you know, League practices are weird. Yeah, I mean, they, they just impose a lot of rules because academics, you know, maybe rightfully so, maybe not. I'm not, I'm not here to say, but academics take precedent over sports at those institutions. And so there's a lot of – uh, hoops that teams jump through in order to make sure players don't miss class. For example, in the SEC, baseball teams play, you know, an, you know, an SEC, two SEC teams might play Friday, Saturday, Sunday series. However, if Dartmouth is playing Harvard, at least when I was there, we were playing a doubleheader on Saturday and a doubleheader on Sunday. That way we would not miss any class. Wow. And, and we also played a shorter schedule too. I mean, by early May, our season was done. Whereas the SEC or Pac-12 or whatever, they were still, you know, going strong. They were they weren't even in their conference tournament yet. So we had a shorter schedule. We had smaller rosters. Um, we we played double headers, in my opinion, too often. Um, I know that some. Did of- you guys go? Sorry to interrupt. Did you guys go midweek uh, non-conference? Because when I I went, I played JUCO ball. Okay. And we did this. We had, we had the same conference format where. Instead of Friday, Saturday, Sunday, we did Saturday, Sunday doubles. Yeah, that's yeah, uh-huh. that's what we did. And we we did play some. Uh, we did play non-conference. Um, you know, midweeks we played Holy Cross a lot. We played Middlebury. We played uh, Frank Franklin Pierce. Is that it? Franklin Pierce. Um, we did play some good teams uh, in the in midweek games. However, I, I I unfortunately didn't play very many of those games. Um, Hey, there's nothing wrong with being a being a weekend being a weekend guy, man. You I was gotta, lucky, yeah. You know, I was I was very lucky. I, I actually I, I was really lucky to be around a bunch of good dudes. We uh, so Kyle Hendricks is a pretty pretty well known baseball player these days. He pitch pitches for the Cubs now. And yeah, he uh, ripped my heart out in games. Tommy's stuff. an Indian fan. Yeah, he's he's. A, uh, <laughs> yeah, Kyle, well, I will say Kyle's a great dude. Um, Oh, I, I bet. He, he seems like a good dude. Yeah, he's, he's one of the best dudes I know in baseball. But um, it was funny. When, when I was in college, we used to uh, – the, the starters wouldn't travel on the – like during the week. And so we'd, we'd stay home and, and like, we'd, we'd do all our homework and everything. Kyle was – I was an engineering major. Kyle was a math major. And there's uh, there's another guy. His name is Cole Solser. 
he was he's in the uh, he was in the big leagues last year at the end of the year for the Rays, and it was kind of funny. We would like we wouldn't travel for the midweek games because of like you know space on the bus, whatever logistics. Like it wasn't really necessary for us to go, so we usually would just put the game on the laptop and drink beer and watch our watch our guys win a ball game. But um, yeah, we we definitely that's, played. It's not a bad life to live. No, not at all. It was a lot of fun, honestly. That's, I mean, I feel like that would be the ideal schedule, in my opinion. But I, mean, yeah. I don't want to put yeah. words in anyone's mouth. But no, that sounds awesome, um, Alex. Yeah, it was. I good. have a question for you, Alex. Yeah. So, how accurate is the lifestyle of an agent? Is it close to Jerry Maguire? And have you ever screamed, "Show me the money"? <laughs> um. <laughs> The uh, any portrayal you have seen of an agent on TV is very far from my life. Okay, so you're um, not Ari Gold. No, I am not Ari Gold. I am nothing like, uh, <laughs> gosh, the show from H. Ballers. Um, <laughs> Ballers. I live yep. in Highlands Ranch, Colorado, which is about as suburban as it gets, and I drive a Honda CRV, um, and it's got about ninety thousand miles on it, and. Nothing wrong with reliability. Yeah, I mean, that's what I was going for. Um, it's a reliable car you know, for a reliable agent. I think that's your pitch. Yeah, it, it gets a lot of miles on it. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, it, it, the, the, that stuff is pretty inaccurate. Most of what I do uh, is, is just deal with guys and, and help them with little problems or big problems or um, celebrate their successes and, and take care of things when things go wrong. Um, you know, I will say, I will say, I sorry to interrupt you, Alex, yeah. but yeah, I'm doing my best to pitch my way so you can get out of that CRV, CRV and get into something. <laughs> I, I appreciate it. I, and, uh, I think my house is like maybe a hundred houses from Mitch's childhood. So it is, it is. Yeah. Look at that connection though. Crazy. Amazing. <laughs> yeah. And That's I will great. say, I'm trying to pitch my way out of my car too. I, mean, <laughs> I, I drive a 12, a 12 year old Jeep. So. I mean, I'm in a very similar boat. Again, yeah. with the reliability, think, though. Honestly, yeah, yeah. You can tell a lot. You know what? What Mitch just guys. said. What Mitch just said, though, is, is kind of a really cool statement. Like Mitch is not the first guy that has said something along the lines of like, "Hey, I'm trying to do well so that you'll do well." And I, I think that says a lot about the clients that I recruit. I, I'm really lucky to have landed a really like great group of guys over my career. Um, and, and I love hearing things like that. Like, if, if they do well, of course the agent does well. Everybody knows that. Um, but I think I like to feel like when my guys say that, like, it's something they mean. Yeah, I mean, hey. Definitely. You give, you give, me, that, you give me that $5 million contract in the KBO, I mean, <laughs> you, you got, you, you'll, be able to, you'll be able to afford whatever card you want, I think. Just so we could have it on the record, no, you're not making five mil on the KBO. Just so <laughs> Yeah, I know, I know. <laughs> Okay. We're not. I just, mean, well, I'm just setting expectations. Real quick. People need to know. <laughs> we got too far down the road. I know. I know. I know. <laughs> All right, guys. Two, two more questions, then we'll let you go. Uh, number one is to both you guys. Just very broad, yes or no answer. Will we have baseball in 2020? Mitch, dude, I don't know. Honestly, um, I think we will. I mean, I I've been saying this to a lot of people in private, but it's. It's kind of embarrassing that, you know, we have baseball in Asia, but, you know, America's pastime is not happening, happening in the United States. That's, that's kind of crazy to me. Um, 
And for that reason, I mean, I, and also all the money that's involved, like there's too much to lose for there not to be baseball. So I do, I am optimistic. I do think there will be baseball in 2020. I just don't know what it's going to look like. And, and also, yes, there's going to be baseball. Uh, there's, there's too much money at stake. And there's nothing billionaires hate more than losing pennies. Uh, as evidenced by the negotiations right. so far. So. Mm. Right. So we will, uh, we'll see baseball eventually. Actually, I, have, I, have a, I lied. I have two more questions now. Bless. <laughs> this is going to be the SeatGeek question. Put in promo code BREAKDOWN, BRKDWN, get $10 off or $20 off your first SeatGeek. Where are you supposed to go Alex, buy tickets? KBO, right? right? Sorry, that's not great for you. You know what? That's when, not great for when, your promo. When, <laughs> when, <laughs> when, when the Mitch Horachik uh, prediction comes true and we have baseball okay. back, then you can put in the, the, the promo code and come there to you go. pitch. Damn right. Damn right. <laughs> All right, so I, I, this is strictly for, for Mitch. What do you think of robot umps? Because I know that's been part of the negotiation. Yeah, so I've actually talked to some guys that were in the as a Atlantic League, the independent ball league, yeah. where they had robot umps uh, in 2019. And, you know, I think – well, so we got to talk – that's a complicated question to an extent. I mean, it, baseball is kind of trending towards pitchers dominant at least in recent years. Mm-hmm. And so as a response to that from MLB, you've seen juiced baseballs. They don't, they don't want to admit it, but the baseballs are much different in 2019 than they were, say, 10 years ago. So the, the baseball is trending towards pitcher dominance. And robot umps, I'm all for robot umps, honestly, because, you know, what's fair is fair. I mean, I, I, if it's a strike, it's a strike. Wow, I'm surprised that a pitcher is saying well, that. Well, here, let, let, me, let me finish. A robot umps favor favor really nasty pitches. So if you have a, if you have a, a pitcher who throws like a Barry Zito curveball, for example, a Barry Zito curveball that bounces on the plate might catch that 3D representation, you know, via TrackMan or Hawkeye, the 3D representation of the strike zone for that batter. And so, like, if you're watching a baseball game on TV and you see in the pitcher throws a Barry Zito curveball that bounces on the plate for a human umpire, they're not going to call that a strike, but for a, yeah. a robot umpire might call that a pitch a strike because it does like nick the front of the zone or, you know, it just catches a part of the zone. And so for that reason, it's like those pitches like that will really like give pitchers the advantage. And I just don't like it. They're gonna to have to adjust the strike zone so that does, that doesn't happen because hitters are. are well, I, see, I think the optics for fans uh, too. A, a if they strike. see a ball, like to your point, if the ball hits the plate, or if it's so far gone that the naked eye can pick it up, that it's not a strike. I feel like that's bad for the optics. Yeah, absolutely, and and also another uh, category of player, it hurts catchers. Um, you know, catching. I, that was the point that I was gonna. Yeah, make. yeah. So catcher, I mean, it's becoming it, like there's a, a stat, you know, like. How many frame strikes can a catcher get in 2000, in 2019? Like that was a pretty relevant stat, right? You know, if you've got a catcher, like I know Tony Walters for the Rockies, um, he's, he's a pretty good defensive catcher and he's able to steal strikes at higher rates than other catchers across the league. You know, he, he gets leeway on his batting average because he's able to, to steal strikes and help defensively. If you if you take that like if you have robot umpires you take that aspect out of the game completely and I I empathize for those guys I mean catching is a very valuable craft 
and those guys spend tons of time, you know, practicing that. And if you get if you have robot umpires that will call a ball, a striker ball, you know, without uh, regard for how the catcher receives it, that kind of puts those guys out of business. And so for that reason, I think that one the the, the strike the, uh, a robot strike zone would be good for pitchers, so I would support it. But on the other hand. I don't think it's it should happen because it kind of deteriorates the the art of catching. That was such a Dartmouth answer, and I love it. <laughs> <That's> <laughs> <not> <laughs> <a good answer. laughs> All right, this now, now the last question, and this is to both you guys because I you know we've mentioned in here that I'm a Cleveland fan, and my question is why the hell did you guys make me like <laughs> Minnesota Twins so damn much? <laughs> hey, I can't help it. it's natural, man. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't even know how to answer that. <laughs> <laughs> I just had to throw that out there. Guys, thank you so much. Alex Hins and Mitch Horacek, thank you guys so, so much. You guys, We'll have to have you guys again on when we come, when we come back. For Sounds good. Thanks, guys. Absolutely. I'm always available. Awesome. Thanks, guys. Appreciate it. See you later. All right. Thank you. <laughs> thank them so much. You can find them uh, on the Twitter machine. Uh, Mitch is at M Horacek, H-O-R-A-C-E-K-1-4. Instagram is Mitch underscore Horacek. And then Alex, you can find him on the Twitter machine at Alex T. Hins, H-I-N-Z. The ballplayer agency at BPA underscore agency. So thanks to them. They were fantastic. Um, We're not going to go deep into a uh, foreign update like we usually do. Uh, just because that interview ran long, so we want the meat and potatoes of this episode to be the interview. But, Seven, did you see the vicious bat flip from our dinos? I did. Uh, that was It was the KBO bat flip of the week, and I'm going to, uh, to steal a phrase from Katie Nolan, go look it up. And <laughs> that's all we got. This has been Gap to Gap. Thank you so much for listening. He's Seven. I'm Tommy. We are out.